Welcome to Harmony Christian Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org. All right, what I want to talk about you with you this morning actually is prayer. Um, and to do that, we're going to look at Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 1. Let me read it to you. It says, One day as Jesus was in prayer, one of his disciples came over to him as he finished and said, Would you teach us a model prayer that we can pray just like John did for his disciples. So Jesus taught them this prayer, our heavenly father, may the glory of your name be the center on which our lives turn. May your Holy Spirit come upon us, cleanse us, manifest your kingdom on earth and give us our needed bread for the coming day. Forgive us our sins as we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us and rescue us every time we face tribulation. Now listen to this parable. Then Jesus gave this illustration. Imagine what would happen if you were to go to one of your old friends in the middle of the night and pound on his door and shout, please do not, or please, do you have some food you can spare? A friend just arrived at my house unexpectedly and I have nothing to serve him. But your friend says, why are you bothering me? The door is locked and my family and I are in bed. I'd feel the same exact way if somebody came knocking at my door in the midnight. Do you expect me to get up and give you our food? But listen, because of your shameless impudence, even though it's the middle of the night, your friend will get out of his bed and give you all that you need. So it is with your prayers. Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll discover. Knock on heaven's door and it'll one day open for you. Every persistent person will get what he asked for. Every persistent seeker will discover what he needs. And everyone who knocks persistently will one day find an open door. So Bob Sorge, who's an incredible Christian author, says, gives some incredible revelation in this book concerning uh, concerning this chapter. So in his book, Illegal Prayers, he, uh, he gives some revelation on this scripture. And what he does is he, he kind of brings the parable to modern day to help explain it. So that's what I'm going to do with you this morning. I'm going to explain this parable more in a modern day format. So imagine, you know this guy, his name is, we'll call him John. So John lives in a different state. We'll call it, someone yell a state for me. Your favorite state? West Virginia. West Virginia. He's from the backwoods of West Virginia. So he's not wearing any shoes anytime, and he doesn't have his front teeth. So you can kind of picture what, what John looks like. So John is a businessman, and at the last minute, he gets this phone call uh, from this company in Leisure, Indiana, the metropolis of business. And so uh, the hub of business. So he gets this call from this business in Leisure, Indiana, and says, John, you have to get down here right now. So in haste, John runs out of his house, gets on the first plane he cans, and, and, and heads over to Leisure, Indiana. While he's on the plane, he realizes he didn't bring his phone, he didn't pack his suitcase, and he forgot his wallet. Now, don't ask me how he got on the plane without his wallet, but just for the story, he doesn't have his wallet, okay? He maybe he snuck on or something. I don't know. So he's on the plane. He realizes he didn't bring anything. He made no preparations. He has no money. He, he, he forgot all of it in, in his haste to leave to get here. So he, he's thinking on the plane, how am I going to get to Leisure, Indiana from Indianapolis Airport? How am I going to do this? Where am I going to sleep? You know, when I get, when I get there, it's going to be late. Where am I going to sleep? And then he remembers, wait a second, 
I have a friend that lives near Leisure, Indiana. So he, uh, let's see, who do we want to pick on this morning? He calls up Eddie and Terry Stroll. Or actually, he doesn't call him because he doesn't have a cell phone. I forgot about that. So he remembers he has those friends that live near Leisure. He can just crash at their house. So he lands and he hitchhikes. Remember, he doesn't have a phone. He doesn't have money. So he has to hitchhike all the way to Eddie and Terry's house. He gets to Eddie and Terry's, but it's really late at night. It's like midnight, one o'clock. So he goes to their front door and he knocks on the door. Eddie kind of gets startled a little bit. You know, who's knocking on my door at this time? He grabs his shotgun. He's ready to go. He goes to the front door. He peeks out and he sees it's his good friend, John, from West Virginia. So he puts his shotgun down so he doesn't want to scare him. He opens the door. And even though he's tired, he's a little frustrated that John's knocking on his door at midnight. He does what any good friend does. He puts a smile on his face and he's like, John, dude good to see you. Talk just like Eddie. Can't you hear Eddie saying that? Dude, what's up? You know, that's, that's totally Eddie. So he, he sees John. He invites him in. You know, John comes in apologetic, tells him what's going on. Oh, no problem, man. But uh, here, here's where the story varies just a little different. We got to understand Jewish culture. Normally in our Western world, we would get them to bed as soon as possible so we can go back to bed, right? But in the Jewish culture, it didn't matter what time it was. It didn't matter what was going on. If a guest came to your house, you fed them. You put food in their belly. If you didn't, it was considered to be rude. It was just a cultural thing. So, so let's bring that culture aspect to modern day. So, so Eddie, he goes into the bedroom. He, sh he shakes Terry awake. Terry, you know, wipes the sleep out of her eyes. And he's like, hey, John's here from West Virginia. I don't, I don't know why he's here, but we, we got to make sure he feels welcome. So he gets Terry out of bed. They, they go to their kitchen table. And uh, they, they sit him down, they, they talk for a minute, and then, then, and then Eddie's like, hey, I'm gonna go get some food. And so he, he stands up, he goes to his pantry, and he looks, and he realizes they missed grocery day for like two weeks because they've been you know, staying home because of the pandemic. So, so they haven't gotten groceries. So he, he's like, man, I'm out of food. What am I gonna do? And so he's, he's trying to think, what, do you, what, is, what can I do? And then he remembers they were just over at Don and Roz's house and had pizza, and they didn't eat all of the pizza. And he remembers seeing Don put the extra pizza, like almost a whole piece, because they ordered too much, almost a whole pizza in the fridge. He remembers them doing that earlier that night, and he's like, that's what I'll do. I'll go over to Don and Roz's, and I'll, I'll, get some, I'll get the pizza from them, and I'll just pay them back later. So he, he, gets in, he, he sneaks out the front door, he, he gets in his car, and he begins driving over. As he's driving over, he passes house, after house, after house, neighbor after neighbor, until he gets to Don and Roz's house. So he knocks on Don and Roz's door, and Don gets his shotgun out. <laughs> and he walks to the front door, and he, he's like, Eddie, what are you doing? It is like one o'clock in the morning, man. And Don, Don talks like that too. Man, what's, what are you doing? And he's like, he's like, why are you here? And he's like, Eddie's like, Don, I need that pizza. I need that pizza. And Don's like, he, he didn't say a shotgun down yet. This time he cocks the shotgun, you know, like, what? You need, you woke me up for pizza? And, and he's like, and Don's like, I forget this, man. And he shuts the door and, and Eddie's like, I, you don't know how bad I need this pizza. So he knocks on the door again. Don opens up and, and. Eddie persistently just keeps begging Don, Don, I need the pizza. 
finally Don reluctantly goes to the fridge, grabs the pizza, throws it out the door just to get Eddie out of his face and then goes back to, dead, to bed. No one's dead that I know of. <laughs> goes back to bed. And then, he, and then Eddie goes back to the house and he's able to feed John the pizza, right? And they all get heartburn and then go to bed. You know, so, so that's the end of the story. So, but, but, but imagine this. Imagine Eddie didn't go to Don's house. Imagine Eddie instead stopped at one of the neighbor's house who he barely knows, right? Like he's maybe seen the guy once or twice, but he doesn't ever talk to him. He doesn't really know him. Imagine if Don would have went to his house and banged on his door in the middle of the night asking for pizza. What would have happened probably? He would have got shot. That's right. We are in the country. You're going to get shot. No one's calling the cops. I'm taking care of this myself, right? No, it, it probably, yeah, he could have gotten shot. He could have gotten the cops called on him. He could have, it, it, this is actually, it actually is illegal, right? It's trespassing. If, if they don't want you there and you keep knocking on the door, they can call the cops and you'll end up in a cell, right? But that's not what happened with Eddie at Don's house. Even though Don was a little perturbed that Eddie knocked on his door at midnight for pizza, because of their relationship, because of their friendship, Don gave him the pizza. He didn't call the cops. He didn't use the shotgun. He gave him the pizza. And so this parable, what, what, the, what the Lord, what Jesus is telling us here is that when we come knocking on his door, when we come in haste to his door and come knocking and he answers, he gives us what we need because we have relationship with the Father. Because we are friends of God. And because of that relationship, because of that friendship, we can ask the Father whatever we want, whatever we need, and because of the relationship, he's not reluctant. He willingly gives us what we need. Amen? So the key word there is relationship. The key word is friendship and all of that. Some of you, here we go. Let's, let's bring this here. Some of you have knocked and not gotten an answer, and some have asked and not received. Could it be that we are asking as acquaintances instead of friends? Could it be that we have not spent enough time at his table for him to know us as friends? Have you ever had one of those friends who only contacts you when they need something, right? So let's, let's, let's come up with a name nobody has. So let's say your friend Rufus. There's no Rufuses, right? Let's say your friend Rufus calls you up one day and he's like, hey, what's going on, Harry? How you doing, man? And you're like, Rufus, I haven't heard from you in like a year. And you're, he's like, yeah, I know, I've just been so busy. And, and Harry's like, dude, I've texted you like 10 times to hang out and you've never texted me back. Yeah, I'm sorry. You know, one of those friends, I'm one of those friends. I apologize to all of you. I always forget to text people back. But anyways, but and you're like, yeah, yeah I'm sorry. I, I know you wanted to hang out, but I just haven't had time. We've been so busy. He, he, Rufus is that friend that borrows the rake and never gives it back, you know? He's like that guy that you just, that, that, that is just not a good friend. And, and so he's talking, he's like, yeah, buddy, I'm sorry, I haven't seen, we're gonna have to get together. Hey, dude, are you using your boat this weekend? 
because I would really like to take it out. You mind if I borrow it? You know, Rufus is that guy who doesn't want anything to do with you until he needs something. How many of us act like that with the Father? How many of us are Rufuses to the Father? We don't talk to him. We don't see him. We don't sit at his table until, oh man, you know, I need something. I need some financial help. I need a breakthrough in my health. I need this. Then all of a sudden we're BFFs again. And hey, I want to hang out. But throughout when everything's good and when everything's fine and it's just time to come and to hang out and to build relationship, we're nowhere to be found. And then we wonder why when we cry out to the Father, when we ask him for things and we, and we, we say things like, 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 Lord, I thought it said in your word that if we ask anything in your name, you'll give it to us. That if we go to you in prayer, that, that whatever we need, whatever we have a desire for, that you'll, you'll give it to us. And we say, why, God, have you not answered that? Why have you not answered my prayer? Could it be because we are Rufus? Because we are not friends of God. Because the only time we ever knock on his door in the middle of the night is when we need something and we've never sat at his table long enough to have a relationship. We say, God, we, I thought you said if you ask anything in my name. God, I said in Jesus' name like 20 times in this prayer. Why have you not answered? Because, because listen, in Jesus' name is not just a magical prepositional phrase that we tag on at the end of the sentence to make sure God does something for us. In Jesus' name, hey, listen, it's John, John 14. It says that, it says, John 14, it says, do you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever, listen, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Not if you say in my name at the beginning of a sentence, but if you are in him like Jesus was in the Father. And in order to have the relationship like Jesus and the Father does, we have to spend quality time not asking for a handout, but just being in the presence of the Lord being in communion with the Father. That in him goes so much further than just, just a magical word at the end of a prayer. That in him is actually being so close to the Father that he dwells in you and you dwell in him, just like the Father dwells in the Son and the Son dwells in the Father. <laughs> the Father. The Father. I sound like uh, the Princess Bride. Father, yeah. So uh, that you are in him and he is in you. And just like it says that the authority the father has, I have because I'm in him and he's in me. That just as we are in him, that we carry his authority because he is in us and we are in him. But the only way to arrive in that place where you can ask the father anything in his name and it'll be done is if you are in relationship with the father. If you are friends with God. Amen? And I believe, I'm, I'm gonna wrap it up quick. I'm gonna skip a lot of stuff or say it all really fast. Either way, we'll get you to the Mexican restaurant, I promise. But I believe that this pandemic, more than anything, this shutdown, the eight or nine weeks we had 
watching a, a live stream, I believe that more than anything, what it did was reveal to us our relationship with the Father. That in some ways, I'm actually grateful for the shutdown. Now listen, it was not sustainable. It's, it's not sustainable for us to not be able to come together as a family like this. It's not a plan that I wanted to prolong any longer than we had to. But there was some things with the shutdown that made me grateful. And what I believe that, that the Lord used the shutdown to do more than anything is reveal our relationship with the Father. And, and I, got, I have three different things that I think, uh, different places I think people were. And there could be some variation in this, but I think, I think that people found themselves in three different scenarios. Either A, they were good. Like they miss, they miss the family. They miss being in this setting and seeing each other. They miss church. They miss community. They miss all of that. But, but the relationship with the Father was not hindered at all. In fact, they went deeper into prayer. They went deeper into relationship and they actually grew in the pandemic. There was a handful of people that experienced that during the pandemic. There was another group of people, handful of people, that, that were fine, that maybe missed church a little bit, but they were good, and they, they just kind of coasted through it. They didn't really grow any. They didn't really seek after the Lord any. They maybe caught the live stream, uh, watched, you know, haphazardly through it, you know. I, hey, listen, I see Facebook tells on you. It tells when people drop out of the service, and you know, there's, there's this. So I know some of you are, are, you know, watching and some of you clicking off, and that's okay, because I would be the same way, because it's hard to engage. I understand. But, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be the same. That's a bad example. I would watch the whole thing all the way through, <laughs> listen to every single word, every single song, and then I would watch it again after it ended, you know. No, but, but, but there's that group of people that, that you were fine without the relationship. You were fine even without the community for a while, and you kind of just coasted through it because, because, because to that group of people, church is something you do because your generations before you did it, and it's just the good thing to do. But, but other than that, with the lockdown, you just kind of took it easy, and there, there was not really any growth, and there was not really any, anything uh, that changed. It was just you were good. Can't wait to get back to church. It'll be fun, but I'm not gonna pursue the Lord really throughout this whole thing. And then there was this other group that ached, ached for church. That was like, this is the dumbest thing that has ever happened on the face of the planet because I cannot go to church. And you ached desperately to be in the church. And, and, it's, and it's like, my spiritual life will not survive unless I hear the anointed, inspired, infallible word that Josh gives on a Sunday morning with homiletic excellency and precision and accuracy. Like, if I don't get that, then I cannot survive as a Christian or as a person. And so you ached for church, not for the community, but just because you're, you felt like your spirit could not be fed unless you were in this building. And only one of those was healthy, right? Only one of those was healthy. You can guess which one. It was the one who pressed in to the Father, whose relationship was not dependent on this building or this service. But their relationship is, is dependent on the prayer closet. Listen, and hear me out. Church is absolutely vital 
Like I said, that was not a sustainable model, not coming in this building and watching everything online. It's not sustainable. It's not okay to go to, to make that your, your norm because we need community. We need the church. We need to be edified. The church is there to build up the saints, to train and to disciple. The church is there to provide family uh, for you to, for to, to gather around you and to build you up and to help you along your journey. We need, it's, it's not a maybe, we must have church in person, in real time. So that was not, that's, that's not what I'm saying here. But what I am saying is as incredible and as essential as being in the building is, sometimes intimacy requires a shut door and a private conversation. To build relationship with the Father, sometimes you have to go to the secret place, close the door to your closet, and be alone with just him and you. And, and that is where relationship is built. That's where friendship is built. Not on a Sunday morning. Sunday morning provides a lot of things, but your relationship with the Lord cannot be sustained by only coming here on a Sunday morning. And I believe more than anything, the pandem pandemic revealed to us where we are at in our relationship with the Father. Even Jesus himself would regularly go away from the 12 disciples and the crowds and everyone else to have intimacy with the Father. Corporate worship is necessary and vital. Believers must have community and the church will always be an essential part of the Christian walk. But sometimes real intimacy requires a shut door and a secret conversation. And if I were to say the church lacked in anything, if I were to say we were missing anything, it wouldn't be the corporate worship setting. It would be our secret devotion. If we lacked anywhere, it wouldn't be Sunday mornings. It would be our private devotion. And I believe that's what the Lord, again, revealed and is going to begin doing uh, within us in the coming weeks. He's gonna begin calling us in to the secret place. This is not, listen, this is not to make you feel guilty or condemned about not praying enough, okay? This is not that. This is just an invitation to a Christian walk that is so much more fulfilling, so much more profound than just listening to me preach on a Sunday morning. So much more profound than that. Not that, again, and listen, I'm just gonna read this because it's, it's, it's what I feel like the Lord's saying. It's not that I'm dis, diminish, or diminishing preaching at all. I just think preaching will have a whole lot more meaning if you know the one we're preaching about. I think church will be a whole lot more exciting if you know the one who's filling the room. I think community, us being together, us being family together, will be a whole lot more like family if it's brothers and sisters going after the same father. And so, so all of this, as vital as it is, will grow exponentially if we come together if, if we bring our relationship with the Lord, our personal devotion together, it'll be a whole lot more meaning if we have our own private devotion at home, amen? I'm gonna go ahead and just end there this morning and I just wanna pray over you. I, I just wanna encourage you. Listen, 
This is just a variation of the same message I've been preaching over and over and over again about becoming uh, or developing a devotion life aside from the corporate setting of a secret place devotion. And, I, and we're gonna, Amber and I were talking about this this morning because I told her, or last night, I told her, I was like, I feel like sometimes I preach the same message with a different context and I, maybe I should change it up a bit. And she's like, no, if that's what the Lord's saying, then keep saying it because like she said, we're gonna keep going around the same mountain until we learn, until we get it right. We're just gonna keep going around the same place. And our job up here is not to give you something fresh. Our job up here is to give you something he's saying in this moment. And what he's saying in this moment is to cultivate that place of worship, to cultivate that place of prayer in our own personal devotion lives, amen? So I implore you, go to the secret place this week. Make it a daily thing. Go to the secret place and just be with the Father. If you don't know what to do when you get there, just get in there and just, and just tell the Lord, hey, Father, I don't know how this works. I don't know what this looks like, but I'm trusting you to lead me. And if you go in there with that attitude, the Lord will lead you through that prayer time. The Lord will lead you through that devotion. Maybe it's just reading a chapter of the Bible and asking the Lord to show you what it means. Maybe it's just going to him and just laying out what's going on in your life and just telling him what's going on. The point of it is, is to go away by yourself and allow the Lord uh, to, to come in so you can build a friendship and a relationship with him that's one-on-one, -on -one, that's personal. Amen? Amen. Let me, let me pray for you. Jesus, God, I once again pray a release of grace on our congregation, on our family, to develop a simple devotion lifestyle. Father, that they would cultivate the garden of prayer. Father, that they, when they enter into the secret place, they would not enter in with frustration or with, uh, with uh, just not knowing what to do, but that it would be easy to find your presence there, Father. That it would be easy to go into the secret place and to sense your presence in that room, Father. God, I pray for a grace for that. God, I pray that you would just reveal to them the perfect time to spend in your presence, that you would illuminate the scripture to them, Father. God, it says in 1 John that we don't have need of a teacher because we have the Holy Spirit that teaches us. Father, I release the Holy Spirit into those secret places that he would be the teacher to teach them how to do devotion, to teach them how to read the scripture and to find revelation for themselves, Father. God, and that through that, that through that they would develop a friendship with their father. They would develop a friendship with their father. God, I thank you for that, Lord. God, it goes on in the rest of that verse in Luke, the rest of that story, it says, how much more, how much more will your father in heaven give the fullness of the Holy Spirit to those who ask. God, I pray you would give the fullness of the Holy Spirit to our family as they go into their secret place and ask for you to come. We love you, Jesus. I thank you for the grace for devotion, the grace for prayer, and help us, Lord, to cultivate a, a culture of prayer within our church. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name.